Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You're not saved because of your generation. You're just not. You're not saved because of your family. You're not saved because of mom and dad or grandma and grandpa who started the church and all that. You're not saved because of them. You, that has no, no connection to your salvation at all. You're saved because how you respond to the free gift of salvation and the message from Jesus saying, listen, this is it. You want to be saved, you got to come to me. There is no other way. Is your faith your own? It's one thing to be influenced and encouraged in your spirituality by others, but be careful that you're not relying on them. At the end of the day, it's just between you and God. In the message today, Pastor James will teach on the story of Jonah and how the Ninevites received the message that God sent to them through Jonah. They didn't have to listen, but they chose to take it to heart. They came to realize that no one was going to save them other than God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They understood. They got the point. They got the message. Here's a strange Israelite walking around our city. He looks really messed up. The story is he got swallowed by a fish and it vomited him back onto the shore. But God has sent him here to tell us that if we don't stop, and change our direction, God is going to destroy us. And they believed the message. This message of of pending doom, it's what they needed to hear. And they they responded to it like you would hope they would have. They believed God. They believed this message. And and so much so, it's not just like, oh, man, okay, Um, I guess we'll just Try to stop what we're doing. Because the Ninevites, in case you don't know, they are an exceedingly wicked people. They would impale people alive on sharp poles. They were known for chopping off the heads of their enemies and building these pyramids out of skulls that were outside of their city. So anybody passing by Nineveh would understand, you better not mess with us because your head will be on our pile. They would skin people alive for sport, for the fun of it, for the fun of it. They, the, the depth of their wickedness is just, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. I can't remember right now if it's Nahum 310. Another prophet that was dealing with Nineveh had noted that how they would treat their kids that they didn't want anymore. They would bash them on rocks. They would kill their babies because they became inconvenient to them. This is a city Jonah is marching through. It looks nice. It looks pleasant. It's a big city, but it's stained with blood. And it reeks of evil and wickedness. 
And Jonah is walking through that city and they are an enemy to Israel. And he's walking through that city saying, if you don't stop, if you don't stop, God's gonna take you out in 40 days. He's gonna take you out. And as wicked as these people were, the absolute depravity that they were known for, they received this message. They received this message and it changed who they were. And it changed them. Now, so you understand historically, it's about 150 years later where they are destroyed. Because you might have one generation that receives the message and repents, but it doesn't mean other generations beyond you are safe. Every generation, every individual has their own responsibility to stop what you're doing and repent from whatever it is. You're not saved because of your generation. You're just not. You're not saved because of your family. You're not saved because of mom and dad or grandma and grandpa who started the church and all that. You're not saved because of them. You, that has no, no connection to your salvation at all. You're saved because how you respond to the free gift of salvation and the message from Jesus saying, listen, this is it. You wanna be saved, you gotta come to me. There is no other way. And it's a me and you thing. It's a me and you thing. You're not going in on anybody else's coattails. It's personal between you and Jesus. Nineveh would be destroyed because they would revert back to their old ways. But for the people that were living there at this time period, at this moment, when this prophet walks through their town saying, listen, you better get your act together. You better turn Turn from your wicked ways, which means you, you stop going this way and you're gonna turn and you're gonna, you're gonna pursue the Lord. Unless you do that, man, destruction's coming. Judgment's coming. It just is. They received it. They believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they decided to go without food and wear sackcloth to show their sorrow. So sackcloth and ashes, that's just an outward showing of repentance. That's all that is. So you take off your nice clothes and you put on these potato sacks, basically, that are absolutely uncomfortable. Nobody wants to wear that. And you're, you have ash. You sometimes would throw you know, ash upon your head or you'd sit down in, in the ashes. But it was all an outward sign showing like this person is, is, is walking through repentance. We don't really do that anymore. And that's totally fine. I don't think we need to. You don't need to walk around in, in sackcloth and ashes. Praise God for that, right? Praise God we live on this side of the cross where if like you've made a mistake or whatever, you know, and you need to repent, well, you can do that. And Jesus says, hey, listen, thank you for owning up to it because that's how a relationship works. You're forgiven. Go and sin no more, right? It's for freedom. It's all that stuff. But in these, in these Old Testament times, I mean, and this was, we know this from like, if you know history, you know, biblical history, the nation of Israel at times would do this thing, but here you have the Ninevites. So this is kind of a customary thing, but they're like, listen, we're calling the fast. They believed it. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And then word, verse six, the word gets to the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself, the ruler of the city, the man in charge, covers himself with sackcloth and he sat in ashes. 
And he, along with his staff, the staff of the nobles who were with him, caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by his decree and his nobles saying this. This guy came into our town and says, we got to stop our evil ways, our wicked ways. And we're going to stop our wicked ways. And we're all going to repent. And we're all going to fast. We, we're all going to do something because we don't want to be destroyed. We don't want to be destroyed. That's the beauty of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what we want. Nobody wants to die. <laughs> Nobody wants to be wiped out. Nobody wants the judgment. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's put your faith in Jesus so that so you won't perish, but you have everlasting life. The Ninevites, the same thing applies to these guys. They're like, we don't want to die. We don't want to be destroyed. So let's do whatever it takes to show that we believe this message. Let's just not like hear it and agree with it. Let's actually have some physical changes within how we live our lives. Evidence that proves that we are fully invested into this message. That's what this fast is. But the decree that went out is, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So even the king is in, is in full understanding of how wicked the city is. He himself was probably a wicked man. But there's no denying it. I mean, everybody in the city is owning up to it. They're, they're all, nobody's like, well, we're not that bad. And maybe we're bad, but we're not as bad as this other city. No, no, no. They're all owning up to it. They're all saying, even from the king, the leader himself, he's like, you're right. He's right. He's right. I'm wicked. You're wicked. We're all wicked. Our animals are apparently wicked. I don't know, but everybody's going to repent and everybody's going to fast. Everybody. Man, woman, child, animals. I love their response to this, to this message. That Jonah's probably like walking around the city. My, the way I envision that, it's kind of him being like, oh, 40 days, you're going to get destroyed. And they're like, what? What'd you say? Uh, 40 days, you're going to get, oh, I'm sorry, can you speak up? Because we can't hear what you're saying. Uh, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed, right? Like, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to talk to these people. He wants nothing to do with them. And they're all like, are you serious? You mean God's aware of everything that we do? You mean this God that Israel serves, who we've all heard the stories, they have all heard the stories. You know, Abraham himself didn't live too far from Nineveh. Ur of the Chaldees is not too far south from this place. So that God who's done all this stuff, we know the stories. We know about Egypt. We know about the Red Sea. We know about the giants. We know about all that stuff. That God sent you here to tell us that we need to stop our wicked ways. Yeah. Okay. We believe it. I don't know if they asked them what do we need to do or if this just clicked in their own heads of like, we better fast. 
We have no idea if Jonah, as far as we know, Jonah could have just walked through the city for, and, and did everything that God had told him to do, deliver the message, and as soon as he was done, he was out of the city. We have, again, we have no idea if there was any overlap, if he was telling him like, okay, well, so if you're gonna do this, you should probably repent, you should probably fast, you should probably, we don't know that. Our impression is that they heard the message and they're like, we gotta do something about this. And we're all gonna do something about this right now. You want to know what it looks like for a nation to repent? There it is right there. There it is. Sometimes it's an, it's, it's a, you know, an unpopular message that has to be delivered and that has to pierce the hearts of everyone. This is an incredible story because I don't know if you know this, but numerically what we could be dealing with here is 600,000 people repenting and turning to God. Biggest revival ever in the history of the world. On one day, biggest harvest crusade ever. And it was accomplished by a guy who didn't even want to be there. Didn't even want to be there. Compare him to Jeremiah. 40 years, that prophet loved Israel and spoke truth to Israel. And as far as we know, no one was saved. 40 years. Three days, five words, technically in the Hebrew, 600,000 people turned to the Lord. And Jeremiah's like, are you kidding me? Like, really? I don't, he wasn't around then, but I mean, you can understand. Just like, seriously? Maybe in heaven, they're like, dude, What? Do you know what I went through? Man, my people threw me in a ditch. They threw me in a well, man. Like, I, I didn't do anything but just tell them what God told me. And Jonah's like, yeah, I did the same thing. I just hated those guys. But man, they, they got the message. So I don't know. So like, it wasn't me. Of course it wasn't you. It never is us. It never is. They got the message and they all repent. I love the last, I mean, this is the decree that went out. Verse nine, the, the last part of this. Let's turn from our evil ways. Let, let's the violence that is, that is in our hands that we're known for, we gotta stop doing this. We gotta stop killing each other. I mean, that's what they were doing. They are killing each other. Verse nine, who can tell? Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will have pity on us and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. He's like, I don't know, guys. But we gotta do something. I don't know if this... Fasting is, is, is exactly if this is going to work or the sackcloth is going to work. What I do know is we have to stop our evil and wicked ways. We have to stop killing each other. We have to stop this. This is coming from their leader. He's like, we got to do whatever it takes. We got to do whatever it takes because we don't want God's judgment falling on us. We want to be spared. We want everlasting life. We want everlasting life. It wasn't just even an act. It wasn't at all because we have verse 10 that, that really clarifies for us that God saw all that was happening. And it wasn't about performance. It wasn't about like, 
Okay, so, you know, if you find yourself in, in trouble or you're rebelling, if you just do this, this, and this, then God will forgive you and accept you. It, it's not that. I hope you don't walk away from this chapter thinking it works like that, because it's not that. What God is looking at is your heart and the intent of your heart, right? So you can do like, you get busted with your hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, you can be like, oh, you start crying. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I got busted. You're crying because you got busted. But there could be no change of your heart because your hand will go right back to that cookie jar. And that's not it. Not just because like, well, I said sorry, so he has to forgive me. I said sorry, so I have to be good now. And I, I put on the sackcloth, so that has to make me safe now, right? It doesn't, it's not about that. It doesn't work that way. What's happening for these guys? There were outward signs of repentance for sure. But what we can't tell... And what Jonah could never tell what was happening on the inside of their hearts. Now, there were outward displays of that for sure, but only God knows the hearts. In verse 10, it says, and then God, he saw their works. He saw the fasting. He saw that stuff. But that is directly speaking concerning their hearts. Because if they were just putting on a show, well, I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it. The, the fasting it was a result of the change that had happened inside of them. The sackcloth, a result of what was happening on the inside of them. The crying out to God, the, the turning from the evil ways, it was a direct result from what was happening on the inside. It was a true repentance thing. It was a true repentance thing. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. And he didn't do it. And I, I can tell you this, there, there was probably no people on this planet who were watching the calendar more than these guys for the next month and 10 days, right? They're like crossing off days like, all right, we're good. But once you get close to that, once you're on that 39th day, everybody might have been looking up, right? Like, or maybe they're just walking in confidence of like, we stopped our wicked ways. Because it wasn't just a one-day change because the judgment was going to be coming in 40 days. So it wasn't just like this day one, they're kind of like, all right, we'll stop what we're doing. A few days pass, the excitement wears off, and then all this stuff. Then they just get back to their old ways. Well, day 40 is still coming. So if you're faking, day 40 was still going to come. But there was a total change. And who knows, maybe day 39, they're just rejoicing. The fact that, yeah, day 40 is going to come, but it doesn't mean I'm going to die. It doesn't mean destruction's coming. In fact, God has shown mercy on me, and I don't have to be afraid of day 40. And 40 is a term that, you know, it's always connected to judgment throughout the Bible. I mean, it's always, there's always a lot of references concerning that. Noah and the rain, the 40 days, 40 nights, um, 40 years in the wilderness. And, but these Ninevites are like, they stopped. They stopped. They heard the message, it resounded within their heart, it made an impact within them, and they just, they stopped their evil ways. And God saw that and said, okay, I'm going to spare you of the judgment that I had planned for you, because you heard my word, and you believed my word, and you acted upon my word. So there you go. Like I said, you read, you keep reading through the, you know, the Old Testament as a whole chronologically really helps out, but you'll know that over time they do go back to the old ways, but that's another story. For these people concerning this rebellious prophet who showed up to deliver a message that it's a message of doom. 
They received it. They received it. Maybe it helped that Jonah was swallowed by a fish and he looked the way he did. Regardless, this guy shows up and says, hey, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Judgment's coming in 40 days. And he leaves. And this revival breaks out. This revival breaks out. The saddest part about this story is chapter four. And we would be, according to this picture, we would all be Jonah within this story. On the outside of the walls of Nineveh, looking into it as the most epic thing that has ever happened concerning revival is happening on the inside of those walls. People are repenting. Jonah's walking out the city. And he's going to set up camp right out here so that he can watch that maybe, just maybe, God will destroy them. Fingers crossed. Just maybe. Maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe it wasn't real. Maybe it wasn't real. Because, I mean, if anybody is, is too far away from the grace and mercy of God, it's those people. So surely they didn't mean it. And, and, uh, no, so I'm just going to set up camp here, and I'm just going to watch, and I'm going to wait, because maybe, just maybe, God will destroy these people that I hate. The whole time, inside the walls, repentance. Repentance. And the one who's supposed to represent God is missing out on the revival because of his hatred for these people. So that's the sad part about this story. I mean, it's awesome. Revival, repentance, a, a, a city is being changed, like just dramatically being changed. And the one who works for God, so to speak, is on the outside of the city. And that's what we'll cover in chapter four is what's happening in his heart. We see the Ninevites and their response. They're like, thank you. Praise God. Yes, what do you, whatever you say, we will do it. And Jonah's throwing a pity party. So some good application, I think, is we just kind of walk away from the story is, I mean, it's clear. It's been pretty, pretty much the same throughout the story. Is like God tells you to go somewhere and to do something or to say something, just say it. Just, just go for it. Deliver the message, quote unquote, to whomever he tells you to deliver the message to. You have to trust in him. The, the issue, the main under, one main underlying issue in the book of Jonah is this thing of trust. Jonah didn't really trust God in one sense, okay? Well, he knew God was a merciful God, but he didn't, in his nationalism and all that stuff, he, he didn't want these guys to receive this message. He didn't want to deliver this message and all that stuff. Ultimately, what that speaks of is like he had no real trust in God and his will and his plan. You got to trust that the Lord knows what he's doing within your life. If God's calling you, then I would just encourage you to trust in him, trust in his plan, be obedient to him, and then go for it. And don't miss out on what God does. Don't miss out on what God does. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. Think right now. You can even do this. In your head, envision who is the Ninevite within your life? Who is the one who's just like, you're like, there's just no way. There's just no way. There's no way that person, there's no way that person would receive this message. 
There's no way that person would wants to hear about this. There's no way that guy can know who is that person. Maybe even write their name in Jonah chapter three. Maybe write their name down. So you pray because there is nobody outside the reach of God's grace and his mercy and his salvation. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James as we journey through the book of Jonah. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, you can visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Teachings tab. There you'll find a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Maybe you're like Jonah and you're wrestling with the call that God has on your life. Or maybe you've been running from God and you're ready to come home. We'd love to walk alongside you and encourage you in your faith. As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together and pray, encourage, and help one another through life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken and Calvary Galveston, the church behind this ministry. If you're looking for a new church home or simply someone to connect and pray with, we'd love to be that person or people for you. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you come visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, please visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so please drop us a note and let us know how you heard about Bread for the Broken and how we can be praying for you. Just visit our church website at breadforthebroken.com and click on the contact tab to fill out our form. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of